Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, the 27th of August, and I have been very busy this morning with non-stock market related matters. Very boring. So we have to be a little bit quicker than usual today. We had a reasonable performance from Wall Street record highs yet again on the S&P and the Nasdaq with the Dow Jones up 83 and our futures this morning up 15, but we're up 23. Banks and energy holding us back. Gold flying again, which is never a good sign for the market. It suggests something is probably wrong. But nothing seems to be wrong overnight. A good durable goods number adds to some fairly strong economic numbers out of the US over the last couple of weeks or so. And the iron ore price up 1.4% BHP in Rio in the black today. We are the third to last day of results. Last day of results is on Monday. But a host of results today. Have a look at the newsletter. APT was perhaps the most interesting one. And after a very rapid gain in the last few days, it has managed to hold the share price gain. So that will do, I think, for most shareholders. They recently upgraded guidance, so there shouldn't have been too much of a surprise in it. Other results today have included Reese, REH, up 11% on their results. Bega Cheese, up 6%. Ramsey Healthcare up 2%, Woolworths up 2%, Platinum Asset Management up 1.6%, and losers of the day, Link Administration down 7%, Damstra DTC that is, been a bit of a flyer recently, down 8% on results, Wiser WZR down 9%, and Appen unfortunately down 14%, none of which we have an exposure to in our portfolios in the strategy section. All that aside, we have made a couple of changes to the growth portfolio today. Again, we're playing the recovery theme. I don't consider these to be growth stocks, they're recovery stocks. Corporate travel and Sydney airports. We already hold Webjet and Flight Centre. As I've said, we want to spread our holdings a little bit wider. We've been a little bit too focused with holdings we feel have been too large in individual stocks. This allows us to spread our travel recovery theme over four stocks instead of two stocks. Sydney Airports has recently had results, done a $2 billion capital raising, significantly de-risked itself. Most of the brokers seem to like it, some notable buy recommendations, and corporate travel had results a week ago, which were ahead of expectations, materially above expectations, according to one broker. Again, that's de-risk the stock. It's had a bit of a pop recently, but we're looking at longer-term charts, not short-term charts here. And there is still plenty of recovery left in both those stocks. I do think that we'll be sitting here in a couple of years' time looking back at the share price charts of the COVID-affected stocks going, why didn't we pick up on those stocks at that time while we're trying to do that? And notably, we're not chasing FOMO in COVID beneficiaries in some of these premium-priced BNPL and specialty retail stocks. We are positioning for an improvement in virus concerns and for an improvement in economic optimism, which we do think is coming. The major risk we have in our portfolio is if there is a setback on the virus. And the biggest obvious risk about that or for that is the potential for a third wave or a winter wave in the northern hemisphere. But we have to, we can't cautiously worry about everything before it happens just in case or we'd never buy a stock ever. So we we plod on and we'll handle that as it happens. The major upside risk to our positioning at the moment, which is what we saw earlier this week, is a vaccine or an accelerated economic recovery 
because of virus developments. And we think those are coming one way or another. And as you saw earlier this week, we had a very strong day with the market up 70 at one point, And it was driven by our recovery stocks, which included the banks and travel and REITs. And we're assuming that at some point, those themes will gain traction again. I'm encouraged to think that as well because of the finishing cases in Victoria and also this federal intervention. Looks like the federal government are going to try and take control from the states of managing COVID risk, as they call it, with six stages and more localised rather than blanket lockdowns. And maybe that's the way forward. If it is, the economy can get going again and optimism will improve and travel will start in which case this travel theme will work, hence our additions today. We're also adding Bingo, or BIN, the code. They've been hard hit by COVID. They're 52% off their pre-COVID high. They're geared into the residential construction and commercial construction cycle, and also to infrastructure, which is a bit of a constant. But those cycles are somewhere near their lows, we think. The stock popped on its results. It has settled back a little bit since then, so we're not paying premium price. And a significant earnings recovery is expected next year. Again, we're going to start the small holding. All these holdings are going to be small. We'll pyramid in as we start to see some sort of improvement in the price from where we've bought it. I haven't had time to update the spreadsheets, or we haven't had time to update the spreadsheets this morning. We'll do that for you for tomorrow. That's the growth portfolio. In the income portfolio, we're also adding today Illumina. That's AWC. It's got its dividend coming up. It's had results. It's got a 6% yield. That's for the full year. It is a cyclical stock. It responds to the global economic trend. And as I say, we're expecting that to improve generally from here, not necessarily next week, but we will be looking back in months and years and seeing this as a low point. Brokers have target prices on Illumina 20% above the current share price. It's a safe dividend to collect. Still 53% below its pre-COVID year high happy to buy that ahead of the dividend. We do have to make the most of this results season for income investors. These dividends come and then they go and it becomes a bit of a dividend desert. So act now or don't get any income. Meanwhile, you might remember I did a webinar for the ASA last week and today I've provided a link to that presentation in the strategy piece. As I did it, I realized why aren't we doing this for Marcus today, members? Why am I doing this for ASA members? And so we have invested the over $3,000 you need to invest to buy the GoToWebinar software. And we will be using that for your benefit shortly. And our support team as well is looking forward to using it to explain how to use the Marcus Today newsletter and website resources to new members. So look out for their webinars and we will start some of our own. The webinar today, or the ASA one last week rather, was called Investment Mistakes. But as I wrote it, I realized I probably should have called it Things That Annoy Me About Investment. It's full of rants. I've seen some of the ASA comments. And uh, some people have got a little bit upset about me bagging diversification and long-term investment, as you might expect. You can't please everybody, but I wouldn't want to be boring. Anyway, enjoy that. Other little items in the strategy piece today include Hurricane Laura, Category 4, hitting the coast of Texas and Louisiana as I write, or as I speak, 500,000 people have evacuated. The National Weather Service meteorologist was at a news conference 
and he's called it an unsurvivable storm surge. He's talking about a wall of water over two stories high coming on shore. Anyway, look out for that. The oil price hasn't really moved much on the back of it. It's always, during hurricane season, it always produces short-term spikes in the oil price. And we've already had a had one of those or had the impact of these storms wash over the oil price. So don't expect too much more. It's always short-term as well. Once it blows out, the oil price tails away again. And the energy sector notably not doing terribly well today. Didn't do well in the US overnight either. All eyes are on Jerome Powell's speech tonight at the Jackson Hole Symposium. I wrote about it at some length yesterday and the expectation that it's going to include something in in inverted commas, according to one strategist, profoundly consequential and being a historic speech. And the expectation is he's going to talk about allowing inflation to run higher for a period without a policy response and also possibly linking monetary policy, which is interest rates, to an inflation target. And there's another addition this morning that he might well indicate that interest rates will remain at current levels for five years. Anyway, we'll see what he has to say. We'll wake up to that probably tomorrow morning. But whatever he says, the intention on his part will be to support financial markets and encourage economic optimism and that has to be good for the market. Meanwhile, a couple of other points in the newsletter you might have a read of. One is the deteriorating Australian relations with China, with Scott Morrison introducing the Foreign Relations Bill, which is going to govern all agreements with foreign governments and institutions. Apparently state governments, territories, councils and universities, including that Twin City concept, are doing deals with governments in China, Iran, India, Russia, Israel, the US, South Korea, Singapore, Afghanistan, and the government want to control all those. It's a security risk, particularly when it comes to universities and the sharing of technology. And this just antagonizes the Chinese, of course. I don't know whether you saw that speech to the press conference yesterday, but that was an ugly window on what China think of Australia. And you begin to worry that maybe one of the post-it notes that you will need stuck on your screen that you can only stick on in hindsight if you had a travel machine, but maybe someone ought to stick a post-it note on our trading screen saying, avoid stocks doing business with China. Even if it turns into nothing on an earnings front, it can still have a sentimental impact. But I notice despite this frenzy of combative government actions on both sides, the stocks that are going to be affected, which include all the iron ore stocks, plus A2 Milk, Bubs, Treasury Wine, Blackmore's Seek, IEL, and I'm sure there's a, a list of others, don't seem to be affected by it at the moment. So we, we may worry too much, but interesting observation. And finally, in the strategy piece today, an interesting observation mailed to me by one of our members yesterday highlighting a Sydney Morning Herald article pointing out that we are thinking that the current retail boom is being funded by job seeker and job keeper. But the truth of the matter is $19 billion, which is more than JobKeeper and JobSeeker combined, has been pulled out of super funds early. And it is access to that money that has probably caused this retail boom. And it's not just the transition to online shopping that has happened. And the assumption is that that transition is permanent and that the specialty retailers and buy now, pay later companies that have seen a fantastic last quarter courtesy of COVID-19 are going to see this trend in spend continue indefinitely when the truth of the matter is 
is that JobKeeper and JobSeeker will tail off, but the super access doors could just slam shut. And that is the majority of the support that has gone to household consumer pockets since the crisis began. In other words, there could be quite a significant fiscal cliff ahead, particularly for all the retailers, because there has been a significant increase in consumer access to money an access that is going to end. Anyway, read the strategy piece on it. There's a, an interesting little chart in there. And I, I just can't help thinking that it might be right that all the CEOs of these retail companies and buy now, pay later companies that have seen an absolute boom over COVID will be sitting around a restaurant table in 10 years time saying, remember 2020, what a year. And those were the days. In other words, we're in a boom. We're not in a permanent consumer boom. This is a great big chunk of money that was delivered into people's pockets that wouldn't have been there, won't be there in future, but got spent. In which case, don't assume the growth rates and the sales growth that we've seen in the last quarter is anything more than a one quarter wonder. Anyway, just an idea. Don't want to be seen as a knocker of the stocks we don't hold, which is buy now, pay later at the moment. Although we did make a fortune out of them between March and June and very happy to see people make money in them. It's just a bit of sour grapes that we sold them in June and didn't get back in. Anyway, there we go. Fiscal cliff could be real. Right, that's about it. As I leave you, market up 33. Iron ore doing well. Fortescue up 3%. Sydney Airport's up 3.9. Appen bottoming down 9% now. Some of these building exposed stocks doing very well. Reese up 17%. RWC up 4%. Boral up 3%. GWA up 2%. Maybe this is one of the themes. We have actually had a member email in who's an estate agent north of Sydney telling us that there is a veritable boom going on there. And I have been watching the Peninsula house prices and it certainly seems there's been a cascade of sales clearances in the regional areas of Melbourne. It may well be this construction sector is on the lows. And I should put a chart, maybe I will when I get off, I'll put a chart of MEA, which is McGrath, one of the least liked stocks in the stock market, a state agent, of course, has absolutely bottomed. And I do feel that coming out of COVID as travel restrictions come off and lockdowns disappear, there's pent up demand for housing market activity, in which case buying a real estate agent at this point in time is probably good timing. Anyway, there we go. You have a good day. I'll speak to you tomorrow.